The sermon text for this morning uh, is Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23. Uh, We are considering this passage this morning because uh, we will soon celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Our series through Joshua uh, will begin next Sunday, and and I'm really looking forward to studying Joshua together, uh, seeing especially how Joshua fits into a redemptive history and how it uh, pointed forward uh, to Christ. But this morning, uh, we are in Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23. Um, And there we read, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a water jar will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me, On the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. Well, we read from Exodus chapter 12 for our first and second readings this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 12 we saw is the account of the institution of the Passover for Jews. Uh, Passover was and and continues to be an annual feast that celebrates God's deliverance of his people out of slavery in Egypt. We read about how that first Passover meal was eaten by God's people there in Egypt on the night of the plague of the firstborn. Exodus chapter 12 verse 3 tells us that the lambs were brought into the Israelite homes to be cared for. They needed to be spotless lambs. They they could not have any defects because they would be offered to a holy, perfect God. The lambs were then eaten um, after they were slaughtered, and their blood was smeared on the sides and tops of the door frames as a sign for the people of God. God says very specifically, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And on that first Passover night, uh, while the 10th plague brought, we read, judgment and death to the Egyptian homes, 
that did not have the blood of the spotless lambs on their door frames. The Israelites instead ate roasted lamb along with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. They were spared from the judgment that came upon the Egyptians. God instructed them very clearly in verse 11. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. What was, what was God teaching his people uh, through this, this feast, through this night? God was teaching Israel a very important lesson, loved ones. Israel, we know, deserved judgment just like those in Egypt did. The Bible says that all people uh, fall short of the glory of God, and they uh, deserve his righteous judgment. But God, we see, did not give Israel what they deserved. Instead, he showed them mercy, a mercy that, that came at a high cost, because a substitute had to die in order for them to be spared from the judgment that God was bringing upon the land. That substitute, we see in Exodus 12, was the Passover for each household. The lamb, whose blood had to be shed, and which was then eaten by, by each household accordingly. What was God doing? One author explains, God was preparing Israel for the sacrificial and the substitutionary death of his own son, Jesus Christ, who who bore in his own body on the cross the curse that all sinners deserve. Jesus did this in order that we might, through faith in him, find forgiveness and acceptance in his name. And loved ones, this is why Jesus celebrated his last supper and why he then instituted the Lord's Supper during that Passover meal with his disciples. We'll see that by instituting the Lord's Supper on Passover, Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples that the cross would now be the most important, redemptive, historical event that his people must remember. No longer would it be the exodus out of Egypt, but now it will be the cross. The cross that the exodus out of Egypt simply pointed to because Christ is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is what we see in our first point this morning, a Jesus intentional preparation for the Passover. His intentional preparation for the Passover. You might recall how on uh, Palm Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, we considered Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. We entered Jerusalem in a way that was very intentional, that he he planned uh, every aspect of that moment. We read about how he sent two of his disciples to go into a nearby village, and there they would find a donkey and her colt. And, and then Jesus told them to bring that, that donkey and her colt back, and he would intentionally then, as we saw, he planned to ride into Jerusalem on the colt in order to fulfill prophecy and to publicly demonstrate that he was the Messiah sent from God. Uh, his entrance, as we saw, was planned. It was prophesied. It was provocative. As the city of Jerusalem 
was stirred up by his appearance on that first Palm Sunday. Well, we see something very similar in our text this morning. Jesus intentionally planned uh, this Passover meal with his disciples. And he did so because he wanted to teach them something very important about his death on the cross, which uh, in the timeline of Luke's gospel here will happen in less than uh, 24 hours from this meal. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have earnestly desired to do this. Why? Because he knew that his hour was approaching, his hour in which he would suffer on the cross. This was the hour that was established before the foundation of the world. It was about to be fulfilled. And there were just a few more things that he still wanted to teach his disciples before his hour came. So we read in Luke chapter 22, verses 8 through 13, that Jesus sent uh, Peter and John. Listen to the specifics of his instructions. Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Notice the specific instructions. He sent only Peter and John. They were his two most trusted disciples. And why did he only send two? Well, he only sent two because he knew that Judas was going to betray him. Uh, he said during the Last Supper in our text, Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. See, Judas, uh, Jesus knew about uh, Judas' coming betrayal, but he didn't want the betrayal to take place before he had the opportunity to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. Again, he, he wants to teach them something very important. And so Jesus sent only Peter and John. We need to remember, loved ones, the, the charged atmosphere of Jerusalem uh, during this, this moment in redemptive history. Jesus was a wanted man. He was a fugitive, uh, according to uh, the Jewish Sanhedrin. Uh, the religious leaders had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, uh, he should let them know so that they might arrest Jesus. The religious leaders rejected Jesus as the Messiah, but they knew that the crowds were following after him. And so to get rid of Jesus and also to shame him publicly, they plotted to have him arrested and then crucified by the Romans. And so this is the reason for Jesus' secrecy in planning this Passover meal. He sent only Peter and John, and when they asked him where they were to celebrate the Passover, we read that Jesus said, when you enter the city, a, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Now, historians note that in that culture, uh, usually only women carried jars of water. And so uh, this was a signal that Jesus planned in advance. Uh, it was like code in, in a spy novel. 
And, and Jesus continued his specific instruction to Peter and John. When you see the man carrying the jar of water, follow him into the house that he enters and, and tell the master of the house, the teacher, says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. Now, Jesus, we see, had already made the arrangements for a room with the master of this house. Because in verse 13, and they went and they found it just as Jesus had told them. And they prepared the Passover there. Everything we see went like clockwork, just as planned. Right? The master of the house led them to a large room above the home. The room was furnished. It was ready to go, indicating that the couches were arranged and, and they were prepared for the meal. That was traditionally organized in that way and set up that way. And so Peter and John then went about and purchased all that was going to be required for that Passover meal of Jesus with his disciples. And what they would have purchased is a lamb that would have been uh, slaughtered at the temple and then brought back uh, to the house for the meal. There would have been a bitter herbs as part of the meal, which uh, recalled Israel's bitter slavery in Egypt. Uh, they would have uh, purchased unleavened bread. Uh, unleavened bread, which we read in Exodus chapter 12, uh, recalled their hurried exodus out of Egypt. And they would have had also a stewed fruits, uh, which recalled the misery of making bricks for Pharaoh. And there would have been talking during the meal. Um, we know that sometimes you know, our parents say it's not polite to talk while you eat. But we see that what the Lord instructed Israel to do during this meal is to talk, to chat, specifically to explain the importance of this, this feast that he has established. We see that whenever God's people celebrated Passover, they were supposed to talk about what it meant. We read the instructions in Exodus chapter 12, beginning of verse 8. God says, You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and, and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Now, uh, many Jews have taken these words literally, not recognizing that Moses was using a, a figure of speech here about uh, binding this word uh, to your body. And so to this day, in order to keep God's word on their hands and on their foreheads, uh, Orthodox Jews, they write scripture on scraps of paper and they put them in little boxes and they tie them to their arms and, and to their heads with leather straps. Jesus actually pronounced his disapproval of this in Matthew chapter 28 when he said that uh, the religious leaders make their phylacteries. Uh, Jesus was referring to these boxes containing portions of scripture inside them. He said the religious leaders make their phylacteries broad for all to see, right? The bigger the better. Uh, it was a source of pride for them. Jesus said they do this because they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. They were doing it for attention. See, what was supposed to function as 
the reminder was not a Bible verse in a box, but it was the Passover itself. It was the meal itself. The Passover feast was the sign on the hand. It was the reminder on the forehead. In other words, a Passover every year was meant to keep the message of salvation before Israel in front of them, just as the sacraments do for us today. It keeps the gospel physically, tangibly before us. But in order for the Passover to do that, it had to be explained year after year to the people and to the growing generations, to the previous generations. Otherwise, it would just evolve into a meaningless ritual. You know, just like we explain our faith to our children. Right? Uh, we instruct them not just about what to do in worship, uh, but we instruct them about why we're to do these things in worship and why we love the Lord and why we love to worship. And they learn from the example that we set and the way that we uh, teach them. You know, I have seen fathers and mothers in our church uh, during communion. I've seen them holding the elements in their hands and talking to their children about the wine and, and the bread and, and the significance of it, explaining to them in a way that their children might understand uh, what, this, what these elements signify. You know, this is what God instructed Israel to do during the Passover. Explain it. It will help remind you, and, and it will also help to instruct others about its significance. The explanation and true faith, see, changed the Passover from a, a meaningless ritual to a God-honoring feast. A feast that Jesus was about to eat with his disciples. His last supper with them before his betrayal and his arrest and his suffering and his crucifixion. We read the account of the Last Supper, the second point in the sermon outline, which, as we noted, was a Passover meal. Uh, Jesus said, and oh, we read in Luke 22, beginning of verse 14, And when the hour came, uh, Jesus reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God of heaven, of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, there's uh, so much richness and depth in these verses. Uh, we don't have time to explore them in depth, but there are some important points that I want us to notice. Notice that uh, since this was his last supper, since this was the last Passover meal with his disciples, Jesus said in verse 15 that he earnestly desired to celebrate it with them before he suffered on the cross for sin. And you know, when the disciples heard this, they were no doubt sad and discouraged. When we read that he said he would not eat with them again until his kingdom comes. You know, the thought of, of Jesus suffering 
and, and his departure was hard for the disciples to accept. Um, we know that on previous occasions, when Jesus spoke about his approaching hour, the disciples, they didn't understand what, what Jesus meant. And, and Peter even tried to talk Peter out of going to the cross, uh, tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. And at the same time, we know that they did not understand that even though Jesus was about to suffer and die, and then be raised and ascend to the Father, they would still never be completely separated from having fellowship with him. They were afraid, they were concerned, and yet even though Jesus would soon be departing, their fellowship with him would never cease. In fact, Jesus said that it was better that he leave, because after his departure, after his ascension, he would send the Holy Spirit who would indwell his followers and who would create an eternal bond of fellowship uh, with him. And that is, loved ones, the fellowship that we enjoy with our Savior. We have the Holy Spirit, whom Christ sent. And through the Spirit, we have Christ and all of his benefits. In the divine person of the Holy Spirit, Christ himself comes to us, and, and he communes with us. See, that's why Jesus assured his disciples at his ascension, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so before his ascension, Christ promised to send the Holy Spirit. But we see in our passage this morning that he also instituted a sacred meal, a meal that would help remind them and remind us about Christ, and that would serve as a means of, of ongoing fellowship with him. He was going away, but he would leave something for us that we might have ongoing fellowship with him through the Holy Spirit, the meal that he instituted on that night. Loved ones, this is the meal that we have before us this morning. It's a sacred meal that was instituted by Christ nearly 2,000 years ago. We read, for the purpose of our ongoing fellowship with him until he returns. See, this is what made this Last Supper with his disciples so significant. This is why he said, I earnestly want to celebrate with you. This is why Jesus made the necessary preparations and he, he planned the accommodations for the meal in the room that night. He wanted to share a meal with them. His Last Supper, but he also wanted to institute a meal, the Lord's Supper. And this was the means that he provided for his disciples for our ongoing fellowship with him until he returns. As we consider now our third point in the sermon, the Lord's Supper. We've uh, traced the institution of the Passover in Exodus 12, and then Jesus' celebration of the Passover during his Last Supper. And now we will consider how we have ongoing fellowship with him in the Lord's Supper. In our passage, we see that uh, Jesus identified the bread with his body and the wine with his blood. Now, did you uh, notice in Luke 22, in this account, that there's no mention of the Passover lamb at the feast that night? Uh, a Passover lamb that was supposed to be central to the Passover feast? Well, the reason that the lamb is not mentioned as part of the meal 
is because Christ himself is the Passover lamb of God. The gospel writers pass over the lamb, so to speak. Right? They don't mention it because the centerpiece of that meal that night was Christ himself. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And Guy Waters writes, the yearly Passover lambs, they all pointed to, and they found their meaning in the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross as the lamb of God. What the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 and and all subsequent observances every year observed by Israel since then, all those lambs slaughtered, all those lambs anticipated uh, the fulfillment of God. God would send Christ, the lamb, to die on Calvary. Christ shed his blood as a covering for the sins of his people. In Christ, God passes over his people in judgment because he punished our substitute, Jesus, for our sins. And as a result, loved ones, everybody who uh, puts their trust in Christ has been redeemed. As, as Peter says, we have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And that's what we remember this morning as we celebrate, isn't it? We remember Christ's death for our sins. Jesus himself said in our passage, do this in remembrance of me. Beloved ones, even as we remember, we are also actively, presently communing with Christ at this table. Our, our remembrance of him is not just a, like a mental exercise, but it's a present reality. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, that this meal... The meal that Christ instituted on that night, the Lord's Supper, is our fellowship with the body of Christ and with the blood of Christ. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Loved ones, the answer to both of these questions is yes, it is. We participate in these things. That word participation is, is the word koinonia. Right? It means fellowship. It, it means sharing together or communion. Right? You know, we're very familiar with this word, aren't we? Uh, we, we talk about our fellowship together as, as brothers and sisters at church. What do we mean by that? Well, when we talk about our fellowship together, it means that we're spending time together. We're building one another up. We're in each other's presence. And how wonderful it is the Lord Jesus describes this table before us as a participation in his own body. It's our means of communing with him. It's our means of fellowship with him. And so when we come to this table in faith, loved ones, we need to understand that we are meeting with our Savior. And we meet him specifically through the union that we have with him by the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to this table in faith, we receive Christ, and we fellowship with him. And when we receive him, you know what we receive? We receive all the benefits of Christ, all the benefits that the Father has bestowed upon his Son. 
When we receive Christ, we receive his life, his life of obedience to the Father's will. We receive the benefits of his death. We read in the Bible that we too have died and have been uh, freed from sin's penalty and power. We receive the benefits of his resurrection. We have been raised to newness of life. We receive the benefits of his ascension. Paul talks about how we are even now seated with Christ in glory. Loved ones, at this table we meet with our Savior and we fellowship with him. Let us pray and ask the Lord to prepare our hearts as we prepare to commune with Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the rich truth of your word that so clearly reveals Christ and all of his benefits. And we thank you for this table that you have set before us, which is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. We pray that you would grant us now to eat and drink, to be nourished in our souls, and to long for the day when we will eat and drink with Christ in his eternal kingdom. For it's in his name that we pray.